keep the peace. Hello everyone and welcome to Wag the Dog. Uh, this week's episode is all about crisis. And I like it, crisis from time to time, but uh, this is a special uh, special environment I'm recording this in. Uh, I'm home, it's storming outside, and from time to time you probably will be hearing thunder uh, on the background. Um, and so I'm, I'm completely in the crisis mood. So thanks for listening in again. Um, so yeah, crisis communications. I met up with Larissa Ott and Larissa Lisa uh, did a research and wrote her master thesis uh, concentrating on three uh, social media crises. One from Appleby, one from Greenpeace versus Facebook, and the other one uh, from Jetstar. And in the next couple of 40 minutes, we'll go through those three cases. We look at what was special about them. They were very much uh, online focused. And we also, of course, uh, talk with Larissa about the details she found, the things she saw that we all need to take into account when handling a crisis so without further ado i hope you enjoy this one and i'll um, i'll hear you on the other side larissa how are you i'm good thank you hi philip thanks for being on wag the dog fm on this nice holiday that we both have <laughs> uh, to talk about your research so you've done the research on crisis comms this is one of my preferred mm-hmm. topics crisis communications and social media and um, let's mm-hmm. go straight into the topic you've done research based on three case studies yes and you found several interesting highlights so so maybe give a bit of a background of the uh, the research and then let's go into what you found as a, as a result of that Mm-hmm. Okay, right. So um, reputation, of course, is one of the main concerns of um, PR professionals all over the world. And um, reputation online is something that has, of course, occurred um, increasingly over the past years, and especially with social media. So um, we've got all these social media channels where um, companies can uh, present themselves. They've got their own Facebook pages, Twitter accounts, etc. And Increasingly, these channels are a way where crisis or crisis online crisis can um, occur and where companies have to handle these um, with crisis communication to protect their own reputation. And um, when I've looked at the research that was done for online communications and crisis, it was mostly um, how you could use online channels to help with the crisis. So you post on Facebook what people can do or um, what maybe if you've got a flood where they can go into certain areas of a city, something like that. So just spread information in case of a crisis. Or it was used um, by marketing professionals who would say, okay, Facebook, Twitter, etc. These are great opportunities to present our company and um, to, you know, interact with our customers, sell our products. So it was used um, with a really positive um, point of view. And um, there wasn't really any research that looked at how um, crisis can arise strictly online. So you don't really have any um, occurrence in the world that triggered the crisis. Mm-hmm. And um, also how um, yeah companies could react to this. And um, the three case studies you mentioned were at first I looked at um, Greenpeace and Facebook. So in 2012, um, Greenpeace attacked Facebook because they were planning um, new data labs and server centers to just deal with the increasing amount of users. And um, Facebook didn't especially um, try to um, power these data centers with green energy. 
Mm-hmm. So um, Greenpeace was trying to raise awareness um, about this and was also attacking Facebook for not taking a clearer stance for green energy, etc. So that's, and, that's the case yeah. of where Greenpeace, an NGO, proactively attacks an organization and exactly. makes them aware that in this case, for instance, you could do other... There's, there's what, what is called green IT. They were not yeah. really following that. So there you have an NGO using social media channels to attack in this case, a social media channel. Yeah, so that's really interesting because Facebook itself was the company that mm-hmm. was attacked on Facebook. So that's an interesting case. And Greenpeace started a um, campaign that was called Unfriend Call and that went on for 20 months. So that's quite a long time span yeah. um, you had to cover. Um, so that's the first case. Then the second case is Applebee's, which is a restaurant chain in the United States. And um, what we had here was that they had a customer, um, a pastor from a church who um, hosted a party at one of the restaurants of more than 20 people. And usually you have a mandatory um, 18% added to the check because it's just more workload for um, the restaurant. And she crossed it out and wrote, I give God 10%, why should I give you 18? (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, so... It's a religious topic and that's also something that can really cause an uproar on the social media, interestingly. And um, a co-worker of the affected person posted it online on Reddit because she thought, oh, well, that's funny and a little bit stupid. And um, that caused the pastor to call um, the Applebee's chain and demand everyone of the staff that was um, on duty during that evening to be fired. Mm-hmm. And um, they took action and just fired the, um, the, the um, employee who posted, who posted the receipt yeah. the receipt online. And um, people online uh, were made aware of this from another side. And they quickly started attacking Applebee's on their own Facebook page. And interestingly, they didn't attack the pastor. They didn't attack the just the um, chain themselves um, or the franchise that um, fired this person, but Applebee's as a company themselves. And um, it's quite interesting how they handled this and we can discuss this later. Yeah, so. Yeah. So, that, that is, <laughs> yeah. so this is a, like, an, let's let's call it an, uh, a series, but let's call it an incident in, in a restaurant, which is very local, yeah. very, you know, face-to-face kind of uh, incident kind of thing, which yeah. takes then on a proportion and where, which is interesting, the mother companies attack not you know the 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 originator so to say of the incident but the brand so that's an interesting one as well yeah and then number three number three is jetstar that's Mm. um an airline that operates mainly in the um asian area and new zealand australia and it's quite well known that it doesn't have the best um, customer service and it had a bad reputation beforehand but um, what happened at the time span I looked at was that at first they had a person um, impersonating the Jetstar account on their Facebook page. So they answered to customer complaints, but in a very rude way. And of course, they also spread wrong information. And um, at the same time, Jetstar had to announce that they had to cancel Christmas flights from um, Australia to New Zealand and vice versa. And of course, that in the Western world, Christmas is such an important holiday and that made um, a lot of the customers very angry. But, you know, other people jumped on the train and um, it became quite a bit of a discussion on the Jetstar Facebook page. And it's also interesting, we can also discuss this, how the traditional media um, played into this because 
um, Jetstar communicated some information over the um, traditional press, just like newspapers, and they communicated different information um, via Facebook. And that also caused a lot of irritation yeah. amongst the customers. So that's the case where you have this typical service industry trying to deal with um, customer complaints via social media. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a daily occurrence, especially for Jetstar, but some cases can just blow up. And yeah. if, yeah. yeah. And that's that's one of the things that uh, we regularly see. It's it's mm. most of the time, or not not all the time, but most of the time, it's it's regular business going on. It's customer support. It's uh, it's flights. It's it's usual business. And then suddenly mm. something happens, and boom, there we go. So interesting yeah. cases from different uh, industries, different countries, areas as well. Um, so tell me, what have you found out? Yeah. So um, if you look at the typical um, reaction or traditional crisis communication strategies you have. I use the um, situational crisis communication theory um, by Coombs to look at the different case studies and how the companies reacted to um, the attacks online. Mm -hmm. And for example, if we take the um, Greenpeace case and Facebook, it was a lot of traditional communication. So Facebook uses one-way communication. They have blogs where they can post information. They have their official Facebook site. And of course, they've got the site of the CEO, Mark Zuckerberg. Mm -hmm. And on all these pages, um, posting is very restricted. So users can't create their own posts, they can only reply. And the communication strategy that Facebook employed was not to reply to any of these attacks on um, their pages. What they did was they went very specifically to the source of the problem. So um, one of these websites that researches data centers and how they handle their energy output um, or their um, the companies they used to get the um, energy, mm -hmm. they went to one of the articles that was um, published on this website about um, Facebook's green energy problem and they replied in the comment section and it was a very long reply where they focused on their argumentation that um, their data centers are very energy effective. So it doesn't really matter what source of energy they use. They just focus on how the energy is used. And they did that. And um, they also try to communicate with Greenpeace directly. So, um, so so what they did was they didn't allow the discussion to happen yeah. on their online presence, but they yeah. used other online presences, not from Facebook, to have a discussion or either go straight to, to Greenpeace in this case or to a third-party website where they would post a very long comment. So that is the tactic of stay away from our online presence. We'll discuss this on your websites. Yeah, not even discuss. So they just they would just post one comment where they would address all the issues, and then wouldn't react to mm -hmm. um, comments that were posted under this one. So they just use this very one way strategy of communication to put out a long statement, quite similar to a press release. Yeah. Mm and then just ignore the following comments. And um, yeah, later on, they would establish a Facebook site, which they called um, Green on Facebook, I think, mm -hmm. where they would just, you know, address this issue not 
quite outright, but would just regularly post how they try to um, improve their data centers, their use of energy. And they so they um, provided a forum where people who were interested in this topic could um, get additional information. And what they were very good in was providing additional information that would support their point of view at the right time. So whenever Greenpeace would start a new wave in their unfriend call campaign, Facebook would publish something on their side that wasn't directly a reaction to Greenpeace, but that could be used, like featured in a newspaper article or something to support their point of view. So um, yeah. they didn't... Then, di- yeah. Yeah, directly- we have to remember that this, this the Greenpeace action uh, took a long time, right? It's not yeah. like a one one single incident over one month. It's really uh, different months. It's, uh, what was it, 20, 20 months 20 or something? Months. 20 so months, 20 yeah. yeah. So that is, then, then you're in a crisis, well, you're in a crisis mode, not really, but you are in an issues management mode uh, for a long time. And that is a mm. good idea at that point in time to see when, when here in this case, Greenpeace reacts and heats up again a discussion that you prepare already uh, some yeah. statements that would support your side of the story, of course. Yeah. Exactly. And they were very good with the timing. And um, of course, what social media fosters is transparency. So if um, Greenpeace would announce on their side that they would start a campaign that, uh, for example, they were trying to break the world record with the most commented post um, in this issue. So um, Facebook had the time to prepare a statement and try to um, offer information to also traditional news outlets, but also to their own users that... Um, would counter this information. And it's also very important when you've got this whole mass of supporters. So I think on this most commented post, um, Facebook, uh, Greenpeace, sorry, had 80,000 comments. So um, you can't reply to every single one of them and you would start to annoy users if you do this. So what Mark Zuckerberg did, um, the CEO, he just replied to one message because Greenpeace would offer their supporters um, ready to send texts basically uh, with their message and of course these would flood the Facebook accounts and um, Mark Zuckerberg replied to one of them with a statement he would wanted to give out that they were improving in this area and so forth and that's the thing they um, limited themselves to and of course his reply went viral over the Greenpeace accounts. Mm -hmm. So um, with just one single action, he managed to reply to all of these supporters without annoying them and um, replying to every single one of them. And um, so you see, they were very selective in the channels they chose. So they always went to the source of the problem, to Greenpeace. And um, they tried to time their replies correctly. And... um, of course, when this whole campaign started, Unfriend Call, it was focused on two data centers that Facebook wanted to build, and they had already started their plans. Everything was, um, you know, and the project management mm-hmm. was online, mm-hmm. and so they couldn't change it. They couldn't take any corrective actions. But um, as you said, this campaign went on for a long time, 20 months. It wouldn't subside. Greenpeace always fueled the fire. And what Facebook did is they... Um, they tried to cooperate with other NGOs that were a little bit more friendly. So um, they cooperated with O-Power to um, increase also um, energy use or awareness amongst um, Facebook users about their own energy use Mm -hmm. and to be more energy friendly. 
And um, Facebook also announced that when they built a new data center in Sweden, that it would be completely um, powered by water power, completely yeah. by green yeah. power. So when they put out this statement, Greenpeace was very friendly towards them and said, well, that's a great you know, great step. And um, so what Facebook did is they also um, applied corrective actions later on to um, not get the same problem again. Yeah. Yeah. So you could, you could think that they've learned from the, from the thing, but the tactics used here is um, simply having a discussion very, very controlled, mm. uh, very much uh, one way and mm. very well timed, right? Is that the mm. things that you could say that you've seen by... Yeah. Uh, by looking at it, okay. okay. Yeah, and I, th I think it's very interesting because when you look at how social media is discussed in um, the PR community, also in theory, it's always said that, you know, social media is a great way for two-way communication and dialogue and engaging yeah, yeah. with your customers. And as we can see later on with the other case studies, it is a good strategy and it's certainly worthwhile to look at it. But when you've got a case where you've got this one huge NGO fueling the fire and just, you know, the masses of followers of the um, NGO attacking you, it's not a good idea to engage in dialogue with every single one of them. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, as the Facebook um, case shows, it's much more helpful to go directly to the source of the problem, to Greenpeace, and to limit the discussion when you just to reply in certain places at certain times. Yeah, there is there is a golden rule uh, on social media which I like to use all the time. Mm. It's that uh, if you need more than three replies, you're ranting. So uh, stay mm. away from there. I mean, it, <laughs> um, you can have a discussion, and true, it is about communicating and two-way communications. I stand behind it. I truly believe that. But in the context yeah. of a crisis or when things get heated, uh, yes, you can respond once. But um, but if it gets one response, two response, three response, and all the comments things, then you're ranting and you're really annoying people. Uh, yeah. I think, and you're doing much more damage than 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 good. I think so. In this case, probably it's it was a good idea to get that a bit of control and then use other platforms. One thing, though, that I think is very important for our listeners to understand is as well that you do not want to bring the discussion on your platform. It is totally exactly. unmanageable, especially in. Of course, it's a, if it's a limited crisis and like a customer complaining is not a crisis. We we you know let's no. be uh, we both agree that we're talking about a real crisis but um, those volumes get too big. You cannot handle all those volumes. So one possible tactic is to not allow that and to have a discussion somewhere else and just be concise, straight to the point and uh, and talk with, in this case, with the attacker, so, so to say, in this point, um, in this case, uh, Greenpeace. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Great yes, one. exactly. Yeah. And what is... Yeah, what you said, you don't want to have it this discussion on your platform because you would also annoy all the users that say, well, I'm not interested in this topic, please leave me alone. So what Facebook did is they um, installed this page called uh, Green on Facebook where you could have these discussions and that was a proper forum to address these issues with certain posts, etc. Mm -hmm. But they wouldn't have this discussion on their main page, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Mm. Great stuff. And um, yeah, because it's, I think it's it's interesting for to hear from from you because let's let's uh, you, you're not in the business of public relations, right? I'm not anymore. So yeah, um, yeah. but it's good uh, to currently see that I'm doing more <laughs> to, to get those insights from someone who's a bit more detached. I mean, most of the listeners here are deep into PR or communications or reputation management, and it's it sometimes it's really interesting to see how how you can look at this 
analyze it and look at it from a different point of view. So that's it's a, that's a good thing. What was the second case? The second case was Applebee's, but yeah. um, actually I was thinking because we just we just um, talked about how you shouldn't have a discussion on your own page and how mm -hmm. you should steer it away from it. We could um, maybe go stri um, straight to Jetstar. Yeah, sure. Because that's exactly what happened there. So um, when you had all these customers complaining about the cancelled um, Christmas flights, obviously the actually um, affected persons, that was maybe a number of where they officially said 80 persons were affected. Probably it was more. But um, you had a lot of people jumping on this train and starting to complain about Jetstar in general and supporting the people whose flights were cancelled. And what Jetstar did is um, they replied directly to the persons that were actually affected and that's one of the policies of the company that the CEO, um, CEO himself stated. He said that um, they only engage in discussion if it's obvious that um, they can help and that they are invited to the discussion. Hmm. And um, so they replied to the people who obviously had problems whose flights were actually affected and um, they ask them to contact them via email, via telephone, whatever, to solve the issues. So they wouldn't try to solve the issue directly on the page, but other um, users were able to see that they were reacting to the problem and that they were taking care of the people who um, had this problem. And um, what they also did is they replied in a very personal manner. So often um, you've got this anonymous person on a company's um, Facebook page um, replying to people but on Jetstar's page you know you always had the abbreviations of the people's name on the service team yeah, they would the, use uh, yeah. the initials yeah that's a good yeah. practice yeah exactly they would use emoticons um, to communicate and it was a very informal way of communicating which is exactly what Facebook represents so if you start communicating in a very formal way because you're a company and you want to look professional that often well it depends so I don't want to give this out as a general rule but um, if it's the maybe the face of the company you have anyway that you're um, a little bit more relaxed and yet you try to help your um, customers um, it's helpful if you use emoticons and a more informal language mm -hmm. because um, it is not perceived as you as the company talking down to the customers so that's what they did and it also helps with angry customers, you know, one of the main reasons of social media crisis is anger because it just spreads so fast on the internet. And um, it's easy to attack a company that doesn't have a face. That's just this big looming, um, yeah, not just, just an entity. And if you um, have actual persons talking to you, responding to your comments and trying to help you. This helps with the anger. And um, you could see on the Jetstar page that people would be very angry initially. But when somebody would reply and say, well, you know, I'm this person from Jetstar and I'm taking care of your problem, um, they would be much more friendly, much more polite. And it helps a lot with these issues. Yeah, because it, it humanizes a social media channel. Yeah. Definitely. I've seen that in a couple of crises that I was in. Uh, managing the social media team and and that was the rule you respond and you either use the initials uh, and even in 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 customer support people use their 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 real name i mean it would be mm. stephanie responding and she, she that would be effectively stephanie sitting behind her, her pc because it makes it much more human and mm. and and then uh, people do tend 
uh, to calm down and say, okay, good, okay, I've got a real human here, it's uh, it's being handled, and then, of course, there's the whole aspect of good customer support and all these techniques, mm. but uh, it, it does humanize technology, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's also good that they just responded to the persons that were actually affected because it doesn't help if um, you engage in dialogue with a person that's just angry at Jetstar or whatever the company is and doesn't have an issue that can actually be resolved. So um, that's just wasting the energy there. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what they did. So they steered the communication away from the um, social media channel. At the same time, it's a problem that the customer service of Jetstar itself wasn't <laughs> the best mm -hmm. because um, they responded very quickly on their Facebook page. But if you steer it away to the normal customer service that had, um, I think, a guideline of responding to customer issues within 15 days. Ah, okay, that's an interesting yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> so it just doesn't match. And maybe people um, are grateful that they received this response on Facebook and they think, yeah, something's moving forward. I can um, get this problem resolved. And then they are stuck in the normal customer service, which takes a long time and is just generally poor. So it's also something that should be on the same level because you can't promise something on Facebook and then the actual service doesn't live up to it. And yeah, that's a yeah. problem that yeah. showed up in this case study. Also, um, the problem of having um, a coherent communication over all channels because some information about the flights was communicated on Facebook and different information was communicated over newspapers and traditional media. So um, people were very confused what the actual state of information was and what was actually happening. Mm. And... Um, People were promised um, a um, second flight on Christmas that would take care of the issue on the newspaper and the people that were communicating on Facebook weren't aware of this offer. So um, there was quite a problem in um, using these different channels and having the same type of information on yeah. all of these. Again, those are two very important uh, yeah. parts of crisis management, crisis comms and social media is that, first of all, you, you should need to have unified yeah. unified messaging all, across all platforms. And one of the things, and it's incredible how many companies don't understand or, or, or don't even use this, but that's why I'm always telling my clients when I do crisis communications consulting you need a dark side you need this yeah. central communication system which is just sleeping but it, which is ready in a couple of seconds when the crisis hits and which will be your one and only communications central from where every other communication starts online mm. and offline as well that is where your press release will go that you will use you know during a press statement reactive statement crisis mm. uh, press conference whatever but it needs to be a unified messaging uh, and unified communication system because otherwise as you said and in this case uh, you 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 saw that you researched this is that you get different different stories and people yeah. don't get it. so what is the reality here what is what is happening so that is a, a crucial one i think the other one as you said is yeah i mean speed if 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 <laughs> if your if your traditional customer support has this totally crazy guideline of we'll respond to you within the next 15, 15 days. Yeah. Which is totally nuts for a, for an airline company, but uh, then of course that will not work. Uh, now I do understand 
that uh, online everything goes faster and there, there is this expectation of it needs to go fast. Mm. Uh, at the same time, I do think when you make your online customer support or online reactions very human and you explain people that, look, this can take 24 hours, people generally do you know, understand that. They, the, mm. the most important thing is that they know that they're being heard, that their complaint is being worked on. Uh, and then they have suddenly a bit more time than expecting things to be solved within minutes. But yeah, uh, yeah. Two, two different worlds, online and offline, but they need to work at the same speed in this case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it also um, depends on the channel. So what they said at Jetstar was that usually complaints over Twitter are quite urgent. So it's mm -hmm. probably a missed flight or something's really wrong or they're missing some kind of their um, parcels or whatever. And um, Twitter so is urgent and they have to reply fast. And on Facebook, you've got, you know, more characters to write, more space. And so usually this is something that's a complaint that takes a little bit more space, is a little bit more emotional. And um you have to react to it. It's good to apologize and to take this issue seriously, but it's not that urgent. And um, it helps if you have um, some guidelines on your side. So what are your service hours? Um, obviously, normally companies can't have, can't monitor the pages 24 hours long. Yeah. And um, that also helps to establish a certain guideline. When can they um, um, expect answers to the yeah. problems? Yeah. yeah, it's all about expectation management, right? If you tell people, look, we'll respond to you within 10 minutes on Twitter, then people know it's going to take 10 minutes. Yeah. If you tell people we'll get back to you within 24 hours, then people know that. There is no expectation of getting an answer much sooner. Mm. Uh, and anything that you reply sooner is a big win because you've been faster than what you said. So, And, it, and that is true. <laughs> now, it's true that a lot of companies don't... Uh, don't publish this in a very clear way on their websites or even their social media channels. Yeah. On the social media channels I set up for, for companies, it, there is always a place where it, it tells those things. It's the, the, simple, uh, the simple page uh, where it says, look, we're open from that time to that time. You can respect response within those delays, within you know working mm. hours. We're not here in the weekend because we simply don't have a customer support organization, which, which in some cases is possible. I mean, there are a lot yeah. of companies who do not work in the weekends, who don't do not work after six o'clock in the evening. Uh, so you have to tell people that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's also a very helpful place to have some um, community guidelines because what's also apparent in these case studies is it's really um, a bad image or it can cause a bad reputation if you just start deleting comments where you think, okay, it's a very unfavorable unfavorable picture um, we currently see of my company. I better delete this. And it just serves um, the image of not... Um, caring for transparency of maybe trying to um, get something out of the way that's not good for the reputation of your company. And um, of course, if you just delete comments that um, are not violating any guidelines, uh, for example, pornography or racism or anything, yeah. that's not a good idea. And it doesn't help with the social media crisis. But if you've got clearly stated guidelines that said that are saying this is not allowed on the site, just to protect all the users, it gives you the right 
and um, the freedom to delete some comments that might just not be helpful for the discussion. But it's always important that you can refer back to these guidelines and say, look, we've clearly stated this is not an option. Um, this helps because if you just randomly start deleting comments, it will just make the crisis worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and that's true. I mean, uh, the 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 rules of the game should be clearly on there as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think I personally think that a company on a company page can clearly state that we do uh, we do we will delete comments which yeah. we don't like according to our rules, which are boom, boom, boom. I mean, because there's. There used to be years ago this whole thing like, oh my God, deleting a comment. No, never, never. No, mm. it's it's your space online. It's a, it's in this case, it's a company space online. It's mm. your rules. And if you come and play on my playground, then you follow my rules. And I can delete and I will delete your comment if I don't, you know, if it doesn't fall within the, the guidelines that we have for our own employees, for instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And these, these reasons just have to be um, justifiable and... Um, reasonable, obviously, because um, if we can jump to the other case study to Applebee's, mm -hmm. um, it's really interesting because this employee, Chelsea Welch, she was fired because she posted the receipt online where the signature of the customer was visible and um, the company Applebee's said that she violated the privacy um, rights yeah. of the of the guests and so she had to be terminated. And um, users quickly found out that this certain Applebee franchise had just posted two weeks earlier, had posted a comment of um, a customer that was very positive for the franchise and it was also clearly visible with the name and the um, identity of the customer. And so when the users found out and um, made it obvious on the Applebee's Facebook page that, you know, there was a conflict in the actions. Mm -hmm. When it's positive, it's a positive review, it's okay to have the identity of the customer and suddenly if it's something negative, um, an employee can be fired for posting it. So, um, they it was hypocrisy what was happening there. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, the Applebee's franchise took down the previous post of um, the positive review. They deleted it um, and and of course, people um, were um, acting very angry about that because um, it was it, it was perceived as if the company was trying to um, get rid of the problem by deleting it. Yeah, by censoring and, and, and yeah. exactly censoring it. And um, <laughs> you know, you can't really delete something on the internet. Mm -hmm. Of course, people had screenshots, and it was sure. posted on different sites. And that's the whole Barbara Streisand phenomenon. You know, <laughs> you want to get rid of something, you delete it, and it just gives more um, power to it, and it's just discussed on more channels. And um, yeah, I guess yeah. the Barbara Streisand phenomenon is quite well known. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. So. Um, uh, is, is there anything in the research that you would go like, well, this is coming back again and again, or, or do you see anything emerging that are like uh, rules or maybe things that, you know, people should follow? Because yeah. I know mostly we, we react like, well, every crisis is different. So, but there are, and that's my gut feeling, but you've done the research, there mm -hmm. are a couple of basic guidelines, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what you said, basic guidelines. So I think 
what I've also seen in my research is you have some semi-professional articles that promise you if you follow step one, step two, step three, the crisis will be over. But mm -hmm. um, you've got so many different industries, um, different issues why a crisis can arise. So you've got NGOs, like in this case study, you've got customer complaints, etc., etc. So I think it's not the right approach to have a step-by-step -step guide, but like you said, some general guidelines. And um, what was, um, yeah, what I was able to get out of the research is, it's not a good idea um, to delete comments or block users unless it is profanity or it is stated in the guidelines, like we just said. Mm -hmm. So if you um, evoke the perception that you're censoring users or you block users, that's what Applebee's did, that are attacking your company specifically, um, that doesn't really help with a crisis. And or if you delete material that contradicts your position, because that brings even more attention to it. That's yeah. what happened with Applebee's. Also, if you tag people and start arguing with them, that's also what Applebee's did um, in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. They started tagging people, so they were made aware of the answer, and they started arguing with them. And even worse, they copy and pasted answers to mm -hmm. individuals. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. so... What you have in contrast to Facebook, you have you start um, discussions with individuals on your own page, and you are not even trying to create dialogue or um, trying to interact with individuals, but you're just copying and pasting statements of an official one that mm -hmm. you've got in the background. So um, <laughs> in reaction to this, um, on Applebee's Facebook page, people started to copy and paste their own angry comments yeah. and yeah. posting them again. So well, yeah, that, did, and, yeah, that didn't help. Yeah. <laughs> or um, even, yeah, that's also a bad idea, create false positive feedback by buying likes or forcing employees to post positive um things because that's also a rumor that occurred with Applebee's that they were forcing employees to like mm -hmm. posts to, to get the attention away from the issue. And um, also engaging in conversation with obviously angry and unaffected users. So that's what Jetstar did right. They didn't engage in conversation, conversation with um, customers that didn't have their flights canceled because these are just angry users and it doesn't really help if you try to engage with them or solve the problem because they don't really have one. Yeah, and at uh, the same time, yeah. you don't want to wake up sleeping dogs either. I mean, uh, you exactly. know, if, if people don't have an issue, well, you know, just leave them be, leave them, you know, and, and concentrate on the ones who have a problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, that will show that you actually care. So people will... Uh, they still see your activity on the page, but um, like you said, you're not uh, waking sleeping dogs. And also what Jetstar did is they focused on the channel where the problem occurred. So um, in the background, you know, they had this person um, impersonating the Jetstar account and writing really rude replies. Mm -hmm. And when this issue was solved, they communicated it just on Facebook. They had a Twitter account at the same time, but why communicate this issue on Twitter when it wasn't really happening yeah. there? Yeah. So, um, yeah, just they were really 
careful to just focus it on Facebook and that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, during a crisis, it's it's always a good idea, but during a crisis, less is more. Less is more, yeah. definitely. Uh, although you need to go in overdrive uh, for a certain type of communications on a certain channel, but uh, don't, you know, if the problem is on, on Facebook in this case, don't don't bring it over to Twitter or vice versa or any other channel. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Unless, of course, someone is complaining through Twitter and then you respond on the same channel. So stay on the same channel. Yeah, that's one mm. of those things. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And um, yeah, Twitter and Facebook have different types of communication. So um, on Twitter, a crisis will emerge really fast because you can use the hashtag and it will inform the whole communication about the company. But on Facebook, you will have more lengthy complaints and um, people really starting huge discussions where you can also follow a whole thread that has this discussion. So for one of these Applebee's posts, I think you had 20,000 comments over the night. And um, obviously on Twitter, you will have the hashtag that is going crazy. But on Facebook, people can still follow the conversations and read all your responses. And that just demands a different type of approach. So um, on Facebook, you can, um, what Applebee's also did is they released a statement in regard to the situation, but in one of the comments. And of course, it was completely lost in, in, in the mass. In the overflow, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So um, <laughs> they corrected this issue and posted the official statement later on. But um, it's just really important that you don't get lost in the. Um, mass of comments under a post but just try to maybe create a new one maybe make an official statement and you can link to that one on twitter for example Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because it gives you a little bit more space and um yeah it's also interesting that sometimes uh, an official comment or statement from the ceo doesn't really help so in, in traditional pr communication you always say you know the statement from the ceo is the really official one it's uh, somebody like with this position should weigh in if um, a certain level of crisis is achieved but sometimes on the social media channels this isn't helpful because maybe you've been communicating in a very informal way beforehand and now suddenly you have this very formal statement yeah that's one of the things that uh, i do believe in is the 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 role of the ceo in a crisis is, is is a very limited one for me most of the time uh, unless, of course, you have a lot of casualties and things like that. But I'm talking yeah. about here, you know, the, 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 the crisis that happens, uh, which is manageable. And I don't think, as you said, I mean, online, if you do it very well, then you're talking to people in a very human voice. Uh, yeah. A CEO, uh, first of all, if it's a company on the stock exchange, well, the CEO is not really very free in what he can and cannot say. Those mm. th- His response can never be a very human response simply because it's been checked and double-checked by by a whole army of, of legal officers and by lawyers and by PR people and what have you. So, uh, And I do think that the role of the CEO uh, should be limited and really looked at when it makes the most impact in a certain way, but not like being a standard thing like, oh, when it gets over that threshold, we'll pull in the CEO. That is yeah. definitely not the way to go. Yeah. Great stuff, Larissa. Well, this was interesting. Uh, I'm just going to read the, a couple of things from your uh, research. Uh, you were highlighting stuff which I love. Companies need to take uh, social media much more on a much more strategical uh, level when it yeah. comes, comes down to uh, reputation management. Uh, engaging with emotional social media users, you know, 
again, be very careful, see how you respond and where you respond and when you respond. Uh, you've also put in your highlights authenticity of voice and transparency mm -hmm. are crucial factors. And that is, you know, it's, it's considered very soft within the industry, but I do believe that those are two very crucial things, transparency and authenticity of voice. And then, of course, that social media is posing a risk to corporate reputation, definitely. But a lot of people still, you know, put it away in a corner. And uh, and I think we need to completely integrate that in any kind of reputation management system that we put up. That we simply, you know, see that social media fits in there. It's not an afterthought. So at the same time, your crisis preparedness should also integrate social media, just like it integrates anything else. Yeah, exactly. And if I may add to that, um, and during my research, I found that still social media in the company is often managed by interns or you've got one or two people taking care of the whole social media um, communication. And um, if you want to have social media integrated in your crisis communication plan and if you want to take it as a professional approach, um, you can't have an intern manage your social media side. Well, with this perfect oh. final statement, Larissa, <laughs> I want to thank you very much because that is a perfect ending on a discussion about reputation and social media crises. Thank you very much for your research. Thanks for the time you took to uh, discuss it online here for yeah. Wag the Dog. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye. Uh, some great stuff here uh, with uh, this interview with uh, Larissa. I think it's uh, it's great that these students take time to uh, dive deep into case studies, write these things out, do the analysis, and then publish that. And um, I think it allows us professionals to, from time to time, take a step back, take some time to read a good analysis, which in this case was was really great document. It's also in the, in the notes, so you can find. Uh, Larissa's master thesis back. Uh, a couple of things she did as well. So every case that we spoke about, so Facebook, uh, Applebee, uh, Jetstar, she made a, a really great storyfy of that. So I put the links in the show notes as well. You'll find them at uh, wagthedog.fm. So you can read these things at your ease. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, next week, next week, what is coming up? We're uh, going to talk about, um, mm, let me see. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll be looking again at, at some research, but then from uh, coming from the uh, public relations industry itself. And um, I've got another interview scheduled about, let me see, oh, uh, interesting topic as well. CEO reputation management and uh, CEO positioning. That will be an interesting one. Well, so so I'm, I'm just going on. So as long as you keep giving me good reviews on iTunes, you know, I'll, I'll be going on with this. So just kidding. But if you like the show, again, like every time, uh, go to iTunes, give a review. It's very important. It uh, keeps the podcast in the new and noteworthy section. Uh, that's thunder for you. And um, it keeps us there and that makes it that people discover the podcast and it's, it's really a motivational booster for me as well. So until next week, take care of yourselves and do the right thing. <laughs>